Life Audio. Today, we want to talk about harm reduction centers or needle exchange centers. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. Hey, we are back. And the truth will set you free. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Here we are. It is Friday. If you're watching this on Friday in context, if you're watching this years from now, uh, this was the week of the Super Bowl 2023. The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Ryan and I were just talking about it, bantering back and forth, having a good chat. And like any good Super Bowl conversation, the halftime show comes up. I uh, didn't really enjoy it, and Ryan did. And so I was curious, very calmly, asking Ryan, you know, what did you like about it? He's oh, it was great, it was great. And I go, but it wasn't as good as last year's, right? Last year's Super Bowl with, with Snoop and Dr. Dre and, and Eminem and 50 Cent and kind of the nostalgia there. And he said that this year's Super Bowl halftime show was better than last year's. Defend yourself. Okay, so he, he just he just like scripted that to make me automatically look like a bad guy with anything that I say. So with the tee up that he gave me, what I said was the songs were just as nostalgic. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. The songs were just as nostalgic. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the songs. To say, like, I liked either performance from, like, an artist's perspective or standpoint, I didn't think either, like, the performance that they put on was anything incredible whatsoever. Yeah. How about that call at the end of the game, though? Terrible. Oh, man. And Terrible. I was pulling for Kansas City, I think. I didn't think uh, I was going for anybody. I know. But then it started, and I found myself rooting for the Chiefs. Because they're underdogs. And then I was like, yeah, and, yeah, but that call at the end, you was, can't. You can't do that. Yeah. That, that was, was terrible. That was ridiculous. But Super Bowl Sunday is coming gone. No more football for a few months. And here we are. We got a good show today. Yes, we do. Kind of controversial. Could you imagine that here at Life After Addiction, we, we might step on some toes. But today, we want to talk about harm reduction centers or needle exchange centers. Um, and we'll get into it. Uh, I'm sure that we will go into some scripture at some point. Uh, but... I first heard of this in Europe. Uh, I was visiting uh, the church I attend has a campus in in Belgium, uh, Brussels, mm-hmm. Brussels, Belgium. And I remember talking with a European there. Uh, we were sitting at like a cafe on the corner. It's beautiful, man. These old buildings, like hundred year olds buildings. And I don't know, never been to Europe until then. And it was just really cool and the atmosphere. People just going, you know, they speak French and, and Dutch, I believe. Uh, but I was talking with this guy who who is European, went to the church, very different mindset. And so the first I heard of harm reduction was in Europe. Wow. And he just thought that this was the um, the answer. And, and America normally goes as Europe goes, whether it's fashion or, unfortunately, man, Europe is a post-Christian nation, and, and now America's catching up. Uh, and I just heard at a sermon this weekend, Europe's downfall from a Christian nation was like this. It's said that America's is like this. I would believe speed, that. Yeah, speed I would it. believe that. And so as their philosophies and stuff like that, now it's over here. And I, we were reading an article about this in San Francisco, and um, we just want to talk about it. Like, is that the answer? Is is providing clean and safe needles or pipes even, crack pipes, 
Is that the answer? Is that harm reduction? Is that going to be the safe way to move us out of this situation, out of addiction? Because the ultimate goal, I believe, is freedom from addiction, right? It yeah. is moving past addiction. But we're going to dive in. Um, we haven't scripted this. We're just going to kind of talk off the top of our head. I'll kind of start, and you could feed off of my thoughts if you want, or you could start. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. No, go ahead. Kind of describe what they mean by harm reduction. Okay. Like so the the and I don't want to misquote them, and and I could. I, I mean, I read as much as I could in the amount of time that I had, uh, but I believe the philosophy is is to prevent HIV or hepatitis these these diseases that um, are very dangerous and are very spreadable through needles and through things like that. And so the the thought is, is, Hey, let's provide clean needles. They can come in, they can exchange their old needles. We'll give them clean needles and we'll even give them a space to do the drugs in a safe environment. That way, if they overdose, they could be, you know, Narcan back to life. And I'm sure they do other things at these places. I'm sure there's some kind of counseling. I'm sure there's some kind of meetings or something that take place, but uh, they're, they're called harm reduction. And the main thing is they're given. So you come in, you bring dirty needles or you just need clean needles for the day. They give them to you. They give you um, uh, crack pipes that even said and clean things to do drugs. And, um, <sighs> my first thought, and again, I don't know, man, <laughs> I just think the absurdity, the absurdity of the culture and the mindset of things, is just so off from the truth. It's so off. It's, it's like fantasy world. It's like, Hey, Let's make sure they don't die of AIDS, but let's let's give them this needle that they could die from tomorrow. Right. Uh, and instead of offering this place of, why don't we offer a place of re- recovery? Why don't we offer these? I love that the state is doing something, but why don't we do something that's going to be getting them off of drugs, not encouraging them to do, to do drugs in a safe way because we don't want hepatitis in them. We don't want them to contract HIV. I don't understand. I, I think it's it's brain broke. I think it's some guy who maybe has never understood. And man, I could be wrong on who developed this. It's some government that they throw ideas out that sound good in the media, maybe that sound good in the woke culture, maybe. But they're brain broke. It's like, do you understand addiction at all? You need to make it as hard as possible for that person to stay in a life of addiction and easy as possible for them to walk into a place of recovery. Instead, what you're saying is come here and you don't have to worry about HIV or um, hepatitis. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. It's insane to me, man. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way to us. It's like... 
the most irrational thing you could possibly do is help somebody to get high because that's essentially what those places are doing. Like it's enabling an addict to just continue to use drugs. Like it's helping them. It's providing them with the necessary tools that they need each and every single day to continue to get high. Um, and so, yeah, that whole method of thinking is just absolutely broken. And then from an addict's perspective, you're not <laughs> – you're not in the right state of mind to make logical, rational decisions. So what you use those places for, what are they called again? Harm reduction centers. Harm reduction centers or as justification for staying in the life that you're in because this is supplied by the government. These are people that have this harm reduction you know, um, place to help me do what I'm doing and live the life I'm living. And they're coming alongside of me and co-signing it. Therefore, why, why do I need to change? They're offering me the help that I need. And that's the extent of the help I need. Yeah. It's not to find freedom from addiction it's to continue an addiction in a safe way. Yeah. And that, that method, methodology of thinking is absolutely broken. Yeah, and let it me produces more you. brokenness. Let me safely guide you to your death and despair and destruction and, and absolute chaos in your life where you ruin every single relationship, probably go to jail and dead is, is the end game. Let me safely get you there. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, but that, and I'm, I'm confident that they do offer other services. So let's say they do offer some kind of counseling, some kind of, I'm sure Suboxone or whatever clinic or methadone clinic, or maybe even like a meetings that people can go to. Let's say that they do that. Can you imagine going <laughs> stupid? Can you imagine going to a meeting or going to counseling, trying to get off the drugs, knowing that absolute guarantee that dope is being sold, bought and used there at this place all around, all around, because that's where they're going to get their needles. Man, when you got your dope, you weren't waiting that long to use it. You know right. what I mean? So I guarantee people meet there to sell the dope, buy the dope, and use the dope. And I think they have safe rooms for them to use the dope. Can you imagine just fighting it? You're trying to do the right thing, and you just see people walking in, making deals. I mean, we know when someone's doing a deal. Right. We know what's going on, and that's just all there. It's insane to me. But let's play Let's play devil's advocate. My, I believe what would be said... And again, I don't want to. I don't want to make their claims for them, but I'm trying to logically think. And I, and I think an argument could be, they're going to do drugs anyway. Let's let's at least provide a safe environment, man, because these diseases are getting spread, and it's just it's not good for society. And if the argument, if that's the argument, I, I, I do want to address that. They're going to do drugs anyway. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Did anyone come to rehab because they weren't going to do drugs anyway? Maybe, maybe you were so fed up, maybe. But most of the circumstances is a family said it's time, a judge said it's time, or you were out of all the options. And you, so you were forced to come and get this kind of, no one in active addiction is going to be like, yeah, today I'm done. They might be thinking it. They might be like, man, I hate doing this. I hate doing this, but they're going to still do it, especially if it's, coddled and it's like hey come here and do it safely i get it man and i don't want diseases going out there i'm not saying that it's not a good thing to help people get away from these diseases or even provide like resources for these things but you're enabling man you're you're making a safe environment to keep someone you're not a part of the problem you're part of this you're not a part of the solution you're part of the problem you're not helping the addiction your uh, realm of addiction where people are dying from 18 to 50, you've heard this so many times if you listen, it's the number one cause of death in our country for 18 and 50-year-olds is overdose death. But at least they had a clean needle. Yeah. At least it was a clean needle that killed them. It's absurd. No, you have to, man, there has to be strong 
things in place that you leverage whatever you can to get a loved one or to get someone the help. And pray to God that it works. Pray to God that they that he saves them, that he opens their eyes, that they see the beauty of who he is instead of the needle, instead of the dope, instead of the, the pipe, instead of whatever the bottle, whatever it is, not provide a safe place to continue doing it. Yeah. I don't understand it, man. I, I mean, I'm sure someone can school me on something and tell me the statistics that they've made up or they've found in a four-month case study. I don't know. I, I digress. Yeah, I guess, I guess my mind takes it to why wouldn't we just push, like, recovery facilities? Like, if we're really wanting to help someone, why don't you just push recovery facilities? Why don't you push community? Why don't you push church? Or even in the secular, why don't you push AANA? I mean, just something other than providing the tools necessary to continue to get high. That seems asinine to me. That seems completely opposite of actually helping somebody get better. Yeah. Um, we saw some video. We watched, what was that video from? That guy in San Francisco? Yeah, it was the article. And it, it yeah, was so there is absolutely <sighs> drugs like within you know, a 10-mile radius everywhere with people who just got their fresh needles and are sitting down on the sidewalk right there next to children, crushing up their drugs and trying to inject them in the street around these, you know, needle exchange areas. And it's like, what else do you think that's going to produce? Like, everybody who is going to those places is in active addiction to continue to go further and further down that hole um, of, of, of death, essentially, of darkness. And, yeah, it, it definitely doesn't lead to anything good. I just don't know why they would set places up like that instead of, like, walking alongside them to find some sort of treatment and care and recovery facility to take them in. Yeah. Um, Logically break that down, right? If the thought is, let's make it safe. So, okay, let's let's roll that down the hill logically. Okay, well, the, now we have the needles, and they're safe. They're not going to have HIV, and they're not going to have um, whatever other disease. Okay, so that's safe. Okay, well, let's see. Well, man, we really want to help with this death thing, right? Not, not just the diseases. Okay, well, hey, what's what's causing a lot of death? Well, the fentanyl is. Well, a lot. Okay, well, hey, let's get pure heroin, and, and let's start distributing that because we know it doesn't have fentanyl in it. We know it's safe. Yeah. Let's start doing that. And essentially, they kind of are with some of the methadone clinics, some of the suboxone clinics. They're still hooked, man. They're keeping people hooked. You should see the. It's so sad, man, because I was this. Yeah. You should see the lines at these places, man. The death, the the dope sickness uh, in line to pick up their monthly prescription or daily. I think met, some methadone clients are daily. You got to come daily to get your dose, mm -hmm. man. And it's just such a dark, dark place. And I've been there. I get it. What about freedom? What about not using drugs anymore? What about knowing that life after addiction is possible? Yeah. What about promoting that because it's true? And if the argument comes, and, and I'll eat you alive because I've been there, if the argument comes, well, man, it worked for Europe. Well, man, that's not true. You know why? You can't even get ibuprofen in Europe unless it's prescribed. They've locked down stuff in Europe when it comes to medication and stuff like that because they've seen the problem. It wasn't the needle exchanges that helped. It was, hey, you can't get these powerful, you can't get hooked on these drugs from these doctors without some serious stuff. Like, you go in and have surgery, man. Life is way different when it comes to medication in Europe, or at least in Brussels it was. Yeah. I mean, because, like, the missionaries, they were like, hey, can you bring us peanut butter? And can you bring us big family sizes of ibuprofen or Tylenol or something like that? Because it's so locked down. And that had, and I agree, that probably did have a big um, 
make a big dent in the addiction in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess when it comes down to it, the more we discuss and the more I think about it, it's, it's a belief system, right? So we know the power and the hope that stems and comes from knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We've experienced it. We've lived it. We know the other side of addiction now that healing and freedom are absolutely possible. Um, So on the flip side of that, if you're not under the same beliefs as we are, you're an addict forever. And Mm. so that's what you're always going to be. So you have a disease that's incurable. And so since you have an incurable disease, What's the best way we can come alongside and help you? Good well, it's point. with maintenance. Good it's with point. maintenance to an incurable disease. So this is the best we can do with what our belief system is. And I guess, like you said, playing devil's advocate, I, I guess that's how I could reason with the other side um, and the methodology they use is if you truly believe it's an incurable disease and once an addict, always an addict, and you're always going to struggle with these things and the best hope um, in life you can have is a life of remission and uh, but never full healing. It's like, well, I, I guess that's how you get there. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Yeah, that's, that's a, how you get there. That's such a good point, man. And, and that, <laughs> listen, if, if you want your society, your government, your rule of thumb, your ideology, your everyone in public realm to see you as damaged goods, a secondary citizen, um, always going to be damaged, always going to have this. If that's what you want, uh, prescribe to this ideology. I don't think that's the case. I don't think, I think that the Word of God says that we're more than conquerors. The Word of God says that we're mighty men and women of valor. When we're in Christ, we're made new, the Word of God says. There's freedom from addiction. How do I know? I'm walking in it. Yeah. I've seen for over a decade men women walk in it and they're not that anymore. So if you want to if you want to believe that, which heck man, when I was in active addiction, that's what's so crazy, man. It the policies and the approaches to this stuff really needs to be addressed with people who have gone through it and are walking in freedom, not people that have never done it and have this right. stupid ideology that they're always going to be this. And they're, because if I'm in active addiction, absolutely say this is a disease and I'm all, and it's not my fault. Absolutely. Give me dope every day. Give me free needles every day. Absolutely. But it needs, the society needs mighty men and women of valor to say, no, Isaiah 43 says this, Verse 1, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who forms you, O Israel, Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I have called you by name. You are mine. Mm. And if that's true, and in the context it's talking about um, Israel, and, and but I mean it applies to the, the adopted, crafted in Israel, which is us, which is believers. If it's true that we are his and he's called us by name, well, what else is true? He says that if we're in Christ, we're new. He says that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So that old dead man, that old addict, he's gone. And there's freedom. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. If that's true, why don't we have mighty men and women of valor proclaiming that over these people? Instead of the capital C church passing this off to the secular world that has the brain-broke ideology of keeping them in bondage because they're going to do it anyway? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm fired it's, up about it's tough. Um, I was reading one of my devotionals um, a few days ago was Exodus 14. And so that's where, you know, um, the Lord leads the Israelites essentially right next to the Red Sea. Um, and they begin to doubt um, and they see Pharaoh um, and the Egyptians coming. And it's funny what their response is. Um, this is from chapter 14 in Exodus. This is going to be verse 12. Uh, or 11 and 12, it says, they said to Moses, it is, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Verse 12, is not this what we said uh, to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Hmm. And I, I quote that because how many times do we choose bondage? It's like those needle exchange places. How many times am I choosing to stay in bondage? How many times am I choosing my sin over seeking help? Uh, how many times do I choose to justify my use because at one point in time my doctor prescribed me these narcotics and so therefore I'm not an addict because it's prescribed by a doctor? And then I love Moses' response in verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom yes. you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. And you have only to be silent, man. And that's where true healing comes, man. That's how you get in the fight. You know, in a worldly sense, you fight with your hands up, ready to physically fight something. In the spiritual sense, you fight like this. And that's what Moses is saying. And you have only to be silent, you know, do as the Lord instructed you to do. Um, and, and, and it's, it's crazy, man, because I think about that, man, like how the Israelites were like, man, I'd rather be back in slavery. Take it's us the perfect back example. to slavery. It's like, the perfect take example. Take us back there. I want to stay there. I desperately want to stay there. And it's like, no, there's a way out. Yeah. Like there's a way out and you may not see it, but that's why the people who come alongside the people who are going to the needle exchange places need to be ones who have seen the other side of addiction. Not the ones who think they know what they're talking about, but the ones who have physically seen the other side of the Red Sea, so to speak, and can say, hey, man, I've been to the other side. It's real. It's true. You can have part. You can take part in the other side of the Red Sea as well. Follow me. I'm going to take you there. But if nobody's if if the people running and haven't parted the Red Sea and haven't not parted, but walked through it. You don't know it's there. Yeah. So you're just camped out on the other side in slavery and in bondage saying, man, this is what life is. So this good. is this is all it's going to be. This is all it's going to look like. So here you go, man. Here's the stuff you'll need to stay in bondage. That's such a good example. That's so good. 
it's the brain broke of the slaves, it is. of the Hebrew slaves. Uh, and here's the mindset. Let's see if it sounds familiar. Well, they're always going to be slaves, at least back there where we were cruelty and we were actually really our slaves and yeah. under this bondage. At least we had food. At least we had this. So the brain broke is, hey, we're walking to freedom, but no, let's go back to where we were enslaved for 600 years, mm. treated awfully, worked for, and all this stuff. It's so brain broken. You know what they needed when they started the grumbling? Here's what's needed today. You ready? What they needed was a leader yeah. to stand up and tell them the truth. And so mighty men and women of God, it's time. So I'm going to practice what I preach. Here, I'm going to talk to you, listener. Mm. If you are in this space that you wake up every day and you maybe even tell yourself that there'll never be another day in your life that you don't use, whether that's drinking or whatever, maybe it's porn, whatever, like you are so trapped in this, you've come to a place that you've accepted that this is who you are. Maybe you've been told that at some rehabs. Maybe you tried to get clean and it was, it was told to you that you're always going to be this and there was no hope. Maybe you're watching this and you're in a place of despair. Let me stand up and be a leader and tell you the truth. All of that is a lie from the pits of hell. Amen. You don't have to. How do you know? I've already said it. I was that. I thought that. I literally said those words out of my mouth out loud, and I was in a room alone. There'll never be another day that I don't use. I know that feeling, but I also have tasted freedom. I've also walked in it. So let me tell you what you do. You ready? When I said that the world needs leaders to stand up and, and be mighty men and women of God to tell the truth. I'm actually talking to you mm. right now. I'm actually saying the world needs you. So why don't you hear what I'm saying? If you need to get help, maybe, maybe you just needed to hear this for encouragement, or maybe you need to go and get, get away, get away. Maybe it's that bad. Go and get help with the hope that there is a cure, <laughs> that there is freedom from this. Not because I said it, but because the Word of God's proclaiming all throughout Scripture. We don't, we don't, we're not tied to these things. I did those things. That's not who I am. And you know what? I don't do those things anymore. I don't. Matter of fact, God's using me to help men walk in the same freedom. We just did a, a podcast earlier, from, a, and you'll see it next week. Um, a, a guy that was, came through four years ago. You'll hear his story, man. And yep. we talked for an hour. The craziest stuff. Overdoses, jail devastation, and now he's a clinical director of a program. <laughs> what? How does that happen? Well, because there was hope, because he was told that things that we're telling you, he came through our program, telling you the same things, and guess what? He believed it, and he pressed into the Lord, and he started getting closer and closer, and he realized all those things whispering, all those accusations that he's always going to be this, that he can't get out of this, that he had to use every day, those were lies. And so the whole methodology of keeping people in that place believing the lie Ticks me off, man. Yeah. And it's garbage and it's trash. I w- <laughs> we're going to get some emails about this, man. I don't give a rip because it's, it's true. It's true what we're saying. The things that are being, the, 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 the ideology of let's just keep it safe for people to stay in a life of addiction is a part of the problem, not a part of the solution. There is hope from addiction. You could be free from addiction and you don't have to use ever again. Facts. Is it hard? Yeah. Are there consequences to our actions in the life that you live? Yeah. I'm not promising you escape all those things. Maybe God chooses to do that. Maybe he takes the urge from you like that. Maybe he takes away all your legal problems and restores everything. But that's not promised. But you know what is promised? Him. And he's enough. He's enough. Hmm. 
I'm going to read this one more time, man, because it's so powerful and it pertains to exactly what we're saying. This is what Moses told the Israelites. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Gosh, it's so true. Even in the next verse, the Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Keep moving. Press on. Submit and surrender your will and trust the Lord. Trust the people, the godly people he places in your life who have seen the other side of the Red Sea. If they say there's hope, there's hope for a reason because they found it. Mm. They're walking in it. They've lived it. They've experienced it. And it's too good not to share. It's too amazing to keep in. Like why we do what we do. It's like, man, I've been there. Mm. I've experienced all these things. I've justified my own use. I felt hopeless. I've wanted to die. I didn't think there was a way out. I was told there wasn't a way out. I was told I was stuck. I was told I was trapped. And then I met a group of godly men who told me that that wasn't true, that that was a lie. And I didn't know that before. Yeah. And then I experienced it for myself once I bought in. And then I got to a place where you can't convince me otherwise. It's too late. Like you say, it's, t- it's too late. You can't convince me that freedom is not possible. I don't care what book you have. I don't care what you're believing. I don't care. I've seen and experienced too much for you to tell me that freedom in Jesus Christ is not possible. Yeah. Can't tell me. Can't yeah. be convinced too late. You're wasting your breath. Yeah. And that also goes for you too. Everything you just said, that can be for you. You know why? Because just like I said in Isaiah, I have called you by name, the Lord of hosts, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that spoke all things into existence. From nothing burst forth everything because he spoke. He says, I have called you by name. You are mine. Mm. Mine. From the needle exchange to the to being called a child of the most high king. That's life after addiction, baby. And you better believe it. <laughs> Come on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life After Addiction. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Studio. For more Christ-centered addiction recovery resources, please visit s2l.net. That's S, the number two, L dot net. For more information about S2L's licensed and accredited residential program, please visit S2LRecovery.org. That's S, the number two, LRecovery.org. We want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Life After Addiction podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of their faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and much more. Thank you so much for listening today, and God bless. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.